0: Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you wanna learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy.
1: Hello and welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Vera Anderson is with us. She is, well, now as she describes, a dynamic legacy coach. But you'll hear how she came from a career in private equity. She was the operating partner of a london based uh, multinational conglomerate. She subsequently founded a seven-figure real estate firm in Chicago and uh, served as the CEO of a health tech startup. She's seen it all and uh, done it all with CEOs and leaders, and you'll hear how she had some interactions in the past that helped her understand they were less than healthy. Her father is a a Russian Olympic coach, and uh, she's the granddaughter of a Russian diplomat, so she's had some interesting experiences that color her involvement with CEOs and leaders today, and here's our conversation with Vera Anderson. Vera, great to see you again. Uh, how was the ski trip?
2: It was incredible. I uh, got back on the snowboard after eight years of not snowboarding or being anywhere around the snow and uh, have managed to get down some greens and some blues. So I was pretty impressed with myself.
1: Any tumbles to talk about?
2: Nothing major, nothing serious. So that was another surprising uh factor. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's surprising actually, as you say, uh, because yes. uh, you were taking a leap, obviously getting back to something that you've done before. And that's kind of what you do, don't you? You encourage people to to take leaps in their lives, don't you?
2: Absolutely. Well, it, it takes strength and self-awareness to put yourself in a position where you uh, take a step back from the day-to-day, the, the grind, and actually take a look at what you have created and you know, have that bigger awareness of what you're doing with your business, with your life, with your health and everything together.
1: Absolutely. And it's all, I mean, they're all related, aren't they? They really are all things that impact our overall, our legacy, I guess, is a good way to put it. And I know that's one thing that you speak to, isn't it?
2: Yes, absolutely. My philosophy on legacy is it's something that you create every single day. It's the way you show up. It's the way you show up for your family. It's the way you show up for your business, and most importantly, it's the way you show up for yourself
1: mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Now, where does this come from for you? What's your, you know, what's it taken to get you to this point now?
2: <laughs> well, that was a a great experiment and in self inflicted pain. I was in private equity in my prior career. Mm-hmm. And I was operating partner. First of, I was on the deal side. So we were working on multiple transactions for our own portfolio. Then I transitioned to the operating side. And at one point, I was based in London. I was on the boards of international joint venture partnerships. I was traveling around the world and supporting all of our teams and locations. I was running the treasury. I was probably working about 80 to 90 hour work weeks. And uh, we were in a process of uh, negotiating another acquisition in Australia. So, in terms of time zones, I could have been working twenty-four-seven. You're
1: all over the place, yes.
2: And it finally hit me. I was so drained. I was so tired. I had no imagination left. No, you know, creativity left, and. It also coincided with the market crash. So as you can imagine, compounded uh, sort of the difficulties and challenges. And we ended up ultimately losing the business, the entire portfolio in that market crash. So that was pretty devastating. And about six months after that happened, my business partner of eight years committed suicide.
1: My goodness. Uh, And related to that as well, I imagine, right? Yes. Wow. Wow.
2: So I felt pretty depressed at that point because I've lost my entire life savings, my investments. I had a very significant equity stake in the business, which evaporated. He also personally guaranteed multi-million dollar line of credit in order for us to run the business. And so he wasn't as lucky as I am because he wasn't able to get from underneath that type of pressure.
1: Mm.
2: And- what I find is that when we tie our self-worth to our net worth, it can become a, this you know, deadly formula when the expectations are not being met. And for me, it was a very difficult and slow climb out of it. But you know, I just took it one day at a time and I realized that the way that I was working, the way that I was chasing success, and the way that I was using my mind, body, and soul was not sustainable, and I had to create a different paradigm, a different way of living, in order to reach the same levels of success, but in the way that was sustainable, in the way that was supportive of me, my relationships, and my health.
1: Yeah, and uh, and we've spoken, I know at length, uh, and it's very powerful as you as you express, you know, people that are equating their self-worth with their net worth, right? Uh, and We've both seen a lot of those types of people. It can be very tragic if that's where, uh, if, and I guess you've seen that personally, right? Uh, with your business partner as well, if too much is tied up into that, the idea for, for net worth and net worth alone, you are very much about rounding out or talking about all areas of life, right? And working on all areas of life. How do you encourage people to do that? Or how do you work with people to do that?
2: Well, it's actually funny because all of the time, people come to me with a business challenge. So I had one super high powered executive. We'll call her Miriam. I will change the names to protect Yes, the of innocent. course. we change
1: all names. Uh,
2: yes, but i'll I'll share the story. And um she was extremely high powered put herself through school, undergrad and grad, had extremely high expectations of herself and everybody around her. So we'll call her a perfectionist, right? And I'm sure you're, you know, some people within your circle who are perfectionists. If you don't, that means you're the
1: one. (laughs) That's Um, It's likely you then, right?
2: Exactly. And so she came to me because she would transition from one company to another. She wanted to have an external kind of objective sounding board as she was building these new relationships within the new organization and driving things forward there. And our main focus was around relationships and around how she interacted with people
1: mm-hmm.
2: on the business side of things. The interesting part was. She was also single, a single mom as well. She had no intention of of getting married again. And when it came to dating, it was how, how
1: old was she very do you mind me asking?
2: She was in her, I want to say late thirties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she had this very specific checklist when it came to dating. A person had to have all of these criteria, all of these things. And if there was even a single checkbox that was left unchecked, she was done and moving on to the next prospect. Yes. It was almost like a work project for her rather than something personal, enjoyable, something that, you know, you share a lifetime with, with another person. And through the work that we did on her mindset on the business side, within about a year and a half she was in a relationship and married
1: wow things had shifted that dramatically
2: yes and the the thing that really opened her up is when we got rid of those perfectionist and these unrealistic expectations of herself, her friends, her family, her colleagues she was able to be more relaxed and be more at ease and and have more of this flexibility that enabled her to enjoy life and people.
1: It's, uh, I mean, profound. And I know that you have profound experiences with the people that you work with. You've described this concept of intentional legacy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's doing this with intention. Clearly, that is something that you worked with her on, this particular person with. What are some of the concrete things that you do to bring that around for somebody that you're working with?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, every single person Person is different. Every single person is in a different stage of life, has different paradigms, has different beliefs when they come to me. And fundamentally, if you break it down to the basics, it's wanting to achieve something greater, right? When you're in college and you're living on a couple of hundred bucks a month. You're like, yes, I'm a king. And then you get to a point within your career where you've succeeded so much that, you know, six figures is not enough. And it's realizing that you already have everything that you need to have a fulfilled and happy and loving life now. And that all the more that you're trying to strive for can come a lot easier if you're already at a place of peace within yourself. Because having more money, having more businesses, having more relationships is not gonna make you happy if you're not happy right now. And if you're not in that space of peace.
1: That's so profound, isn't it? And it takes a lot of people, some people never get there. Some people, it takes a lot of work to get there. And it's interesting as you describe it, because uh, I think a lot of people can identify with that feeling of, you know, being in college and struggling, but being happy, right? You know, if you can afford a pizza, you're happy about that. And you get to the spot, obviously, in your career where you can afford much more than a pizza, but you're still chasing that happiness that maybe you felt at that one time, or maybe that you never felt and you're looking for. So, it comes from within, I think, is what I'm hearing you say. And so, how do we draw that out or you know if it comes from within, what do we do to make it a, a a complete reality for us?
2: Sure. So the first step is understanding whether you are striving for external success or internal success, right and where you are on both of those sides of the coin because oftentimes people, in very high powered positions who look like they're extremely successful from the outside. And like they have everything figured out and have their life together on the inside. Oftentimes they do feel insecure. They do feel lonely. They feel like they're an outsider or like they don't fit in. So there is that constant, you know, there's that constant state of striving and unhappiness. And so I'll share another story. A client of mine, I will call him Bill. Bill was extremely successful entrepreneur in real estate space. And he came to me because he was bored with life. This is a person who has created incredible systems that enabled him to generate multi-million dollars of revenue by working a couple of hours a week. So he could have lived anywhere in the world. He could have run his business from anywhere. He could have been doing anything he wanted with his life. But what he had was this very ingrained program from his childhood that I have to work hard in order to deserve wealth and success. And so what he did was he would lock himself in his office for 10 to 15 hours a day. He would gasp station food and protein shakes, so completely disregarding his health, he would create a lot of these dynamics where he would have to spend a lot of time working and a lot of emotional, a lot of just like use a lot of resources to create a lot of busy work that really was not necessary. And what he ended up with was his main portfolio of assets were very strong, but then he created this additional portfolio of assets and investments that were all toxic. And so they were constantly draining him of money and they constantly required attention. There was always problems there. And so he kept going back to that pattern. And that's what we uncovered when we started looking at everything that he's created in his life and why were these things happening? So once we understood that paradigm, we were able to shift his routines. And the first thing we started with is his health. And we got him to a point where he started feeling stronger, where he was taking better care of his body, which then shifted his mood. Because when you feel physically stronger, you start feeling emotionally better. Then you feel like you're in a position to take control. And once that happened, he was able to very quickly and swiftly... Eliminate all of these toxic assets and investments and partnerships, and really focus his attention on what he already had, what he's created. And he started being okay with it being easy. (laughs) And it was okay for him to have wealth and abundance. It was okay for him to enjoy life. It was okay for him to surround himself with people who engaged him in interesting conversations and, and start thinking about you know more future focused things like you know flying cars and you know all this new technology so that opened up his entire world of possibilities. and he started traveling more again. And so it's kind of like you start with uncovering what is the root cause, what is keeping you down, and then you start taking small incremental steps, to shift the way you behave, to shift your daily routines that will support you in creating that larger transformation.
1: Yeah, that's great. And from what you're describing, there, I guess it's it's not the same for everybody, but it's these small steps that you identify. Uh, I have to imagine a lot of times it does begin with physical fitness though, right? Or being in a, a good physical state. I mean, if you don't have your health, then you don't have anything really. So you need to start from that place. And then from what you described, eliminate the toxins, right? Or some of the things that are keeping you down. So get healthy, get fit, or I guess be in a, in a good state is maybe the best way of saying it. Eliminate the things that are preventing you from being in that good state and then making the small positive changes on an incremental basis, right? Is that sort of, would that sum up kind of the philosophy or the way that you like to uh, guide people through a process? Absolutely. And is there... You know, so to maybe go through those, like when you say, you know, being in a good state or physically, I mean, do you adhere to certain things from a, you know, a dietary or from a physical exercise type perspective? Or what does that look like? Just to start from there, what does that look like to be sure. in a good state?
2: Well, I'll share my personal story. And, um, around, I think I was 36, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm And it was in my left hand. And at first, it was just a swollen finger. And it progressed fairly quickly to a state where I couldn't close my fist. And I was constantly feeling pain in my hand. Mm. So at night, sometimes I'd bump my finger and wake myself up because it was so much pain. So imagine. Driving a car and not being able to close your hand around steering wheel, or if you're working out, not being able to handle the weights fully. That's the state that I found myself in. Feeling.
1: And it was just, just, I want to let you to continue with this, but I imagine this is at the time when you're working really hard as well. I mean, when you're feeling this, you're involved in private equity and it's compounding the problem, right?
2: Yes. Well, it, it's actually, I was still working hard, but it was passed after the private equity state. So it was behaviors and habits that I formed during that time. Right, because right. I mean, to be honest, my coping mechanisms to deal with stress was drinking cognac and smoking cigars.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. You
2: cool. know, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: and and that was my way of uh, fitting into a very masculine infrastructure that mm-hmm. I was in. You know, black suits, pantsuits, cigars, cognac. I was one of the boys. I was mm-hmm. one of the guys. And it did momentarily in those moments it did alleviate the pressure. But over time, you know, it created this inflammation in my body. And so when I went to a conventional doctor, they said, well, we'll put you on a bunch of steroids and then we're going to send you to a hand specialist. And I'm thinking, okay, well, steroids, I looked at the <laughs> side effects they're not good for my kidneys, they're not good for my liver and a bunch of other side effects which i did not want. So long term I'm deteriorating my body even more. Then the hand specialist, what would they say? You need a hand surgery, right? So that's another intervention to deal with the with the symptoms, but nobody was offering me a way to deal with the root cause. And that was very frustrating and frightening to me because mm. my options, as I saw them, once I left that doctor's offices, I either do something that will deteriorate my health for the long-term or I do nothing and the arthritis continues to spread through my body and it typically goes laterally. So I would use, lose use of my right hand as well, which was not an ideal option either especially, you know, in the technology space where now you have to constantly type things. (laughs) It's not an option, right? Not have your, your hands. Luckily at that time, I came across a very good functional medicine doctor and they looked at my gut health and they looked at my overall body and very quickly were able to tell me that I had some dysfunction within my system that was causing the inflammation, And they didn't initially know what that was. So I had to go through the elimination process of taking toxins and things that cause inflammation out of my body. So what I had to eliminate, and I still have not gone back to eating or using is gluten, which is breads, mainly and pastas, I had to eliminate dairy, which, you know, I spent time in France. So, Mm. you know. Brie and Camembert uh, was hard things to let go of. But again, for the sake of the health and feeling better, that was a sacrifice I was willing to make. And then I had to also let go of caffeine and alcohol. And to this date, my father, who is Russian, I come from a Russian family. He still does not accept the fact that I might never drink again. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) right. That violates some principle of his, I'm sure.
2: Yes, for sure. Yes, it's a way of celebration. It's a way of gathering and, you know, sort of cheering each other's life accomplishments. But, you know, for me, it was a decision of I'm willing to make these short term sacrifices and shift my lifestyle in order to improve my health and not only improve it short term, but actually improve it over a period of time. And jokingly, I say one of my birthday resolutions is to look younger every year. And because I did clean up my diet, I actually do look a lot younger than I am. And I feel a lot more energetic, I feel a lot more stronger. And so when I have some kind of an emotional issue, or some kind of work related environmental issue, or, you know, even a toxicity issue, it's very clear and it pops into my body and I know that something's off and then I can look at it. Is it a dietary thing or is it an emotional, is it a mindset thing? Is it a paradigm I've created that no longer works for me?
1: Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Because I can hear that. It's, I mean, very much dietary. You're very much, you are, you know, a product of what you eat. And obviously if we're consuming, consuming all sorts of things that are maybe enjoyable to consume, but to have a, a broader impact, you need to be wise to uh, the impact that they're having. So you've done just that and right. looked, looked at the effects right, of, of these things as are other inputs in your life, right?
2: Well, the most interesting part about giving up alcohol, I thought it was gonna be really difficult, but to be honest, in the last however many years that I've been off it, there's only been maybe like two or three times where I felt like, oh, I would have loved to have a glass of champagne to celebrate. Right. But most of the time, what I became aware of once I stopped is that I was drinking for two reasons. I was either bored and it was a way of passing time, or I was escaping something. I didn't want to deal with something. Mm. And that was a way for me to mask my feelings and pretend like everything was fine. Or it was a way for me to allow myself to have a good cry. Right. Sometimes you just need to let it out. And the way you create a story for yourself is like, oh, you know, I just had too much wine and it made me emotional.
1: Right.
2: (laughs) But once you take away that coping mechanism, you become very much very acutely aware of when things are not working because there was no escaping and you have to you can't ignore it. You have to work through it. So. From a personal standpoint, that has helped me tremendously in healing my relationships, in um, shifting the way I work, the way I live, what is important to me. And from a professional standpoint, it got me to a place where I had to do a lot of self-work in order to show up for my clients in the very open and supportive space where I'm not bringing any of my own self-judgment into our conversations. And I'm just a neutral sounding board for them and allowing them to get to that deeper level and explore what's happening for them.
1: Yeah. And I've seen you do this. I've seen you do this quite effectively. We talked first, you know, getting to a healthy state, but really, I I know a lot of your focus, a lot of the work that you do is helping people from what we've been describing in this show as Removing the toxins, right? To be removing the toxins, there's a lot of different ways to describe what that, that looks like. Lightening the load, right? Or cutting through, cutting entanglements and things like that. What are some of the processes that you use to assist somebody get there or do that? You, maybe you've done it in your own life, but also what you would encourage other people to do, to do it in theirs?
2: Well, as you know, I use a lot of different techniques, including a guided visualization, which I feel is a great tool for tapping into the conscious and subconscious levels. Because a lot of times, think of your mind as a computer, right? And it's running a lot of programs. And sometimes those are the programs that are on your desktop, and sometimes those are the programs that are running behind the screen where you're not aware of them, but they still take up a lot of energy and they still take a lot of your RAM and power and emotional capacity. And so this is a tool that enables you to shut off programs that are no longer needed or that are helpful to you in moving forward and moving to the next state. And so I'll share a story with a person who came to me and will call him mark mark
1: Mark, bill and uh mary i think it was that's right yes
2: yes so mark's story was he was actually extremely strong physically he was a semi-professional athlete constantly training constantly doing marathons triathlons so physically he was extremely fit but he got into a, a point where he was dreading going into the office And there was this sense of just low energy, just not wanting to be there. And what we've uncovered is that he was actually in a toxic partnership. He was brought in as a succession plan and the owner was going to transition out, giving Mark more responsibility and sort of letting him run the company. And that succession plan never materialized once Mark joined the company. Mm -hmm. So he was almost like an external entity and the team didn't respect him as much. The team didn't allow him to be in that leadership position, nor did the existing owner. And so he found himself in this space where he was completely trapped. Right, there, he couldn't see a path forward within the organization. He couldn't see himself leaving the organization, and so he was in that state of limbo. And as you know, it's extremely tiresome and it's extremely draining. And if you get stuck in that state for months or even years, it can, you know, eat at you. And so once we uncovered that that's what the problem was, there was a choice. Right, you confront the owner, you sort of push for your agreement that was put in place, or you step away and you actually create your own organization. And that's what Mark chose to do. He decided that he's going to create his own organization. He's going to create a supporting team that believed and followed and was aligned with the systems and processes and the way he saw the business operation going forward and the way he saw the business unfold in the future, which he's done very successfully. And it also made him change the clientele roster that he was working with because he upgraded that as well. He no longer had to use the historical structure and historical beliefs of the prior owner. He created his own business that is extremely aligned with who he is, how he works, what's the best way for him in terms of the lifestyle and support and the business itself. And so that was the paradigm that he's gone through. And we had to do a lot of internal work on letting go of the old business, allowing him to step into the new business in his full power. And allow him to open up his vision as to what was possible for the business he's creating. So we we were able to establish this much bigger, much clearer, much more engaging and alive vision, not only for the business that he's building, which he's on track on creating, but also for his lifestyle and how he wants to live and how he wants to train and continue with his physical fitness, but also, you know, the travel and the world. And what is his exit is going to be? When is he going to go through that transition himself?
1: So like his own plan is what uh, it sounds like you're able to help him formulate. That, and Vera, from what you're describing there, it sounds a lot like as I've heard other people Describe before trying to get things into alignment, right? Making sure that things are properly aligned for whatever his goal was, right? Or this particular person's goal was, Mark's goal was. And then I know I want to go back to the examples, the stories are really helpful. I want to go back to the visualization exercises that you employ. And I mean, we didn't prepare anything for this, or I didn't ask beforehand whether you'd be able to do some of this, but would it be possible to go through an exercise for sort of demonstration purposes? Perhaps people listening understand, or take something through for somebody. Again, I don't know if it's even a realistic ask, right? But uh, something so for somebody listening that's saying, "Okay, what's something that can help me with, you know, something that is preventing me from getting to the next level in my own life, right? Can we go through something like that or can you talk us through what an example of something that, that might look like?"
2: The way that I put the visualizations together are very much based on the individual's needs and and wants. So, I don't do group visualizations but one of the tools that I do use that is very effective is actually simple breathwork and I find that when people find themselves in that moment of tension when things start escalating when you're feeling angry when you're feeling tense when you feel like your anxiety is coming on That is the moment where you can very easily employ this tool and alleviate yourself from that fight or flight symptom, right? That emotional and that body reaction. And once you do that, you can transition into a a much more relaxed state from which you make better decisions that are more grounded and that are more align with ultimately what the outcomes you want to create rather than being reactive. And it leads to better outcomes going forward and you create less problems for yourself. So this is something that we can try right now. And typically I suggest that you do 10 deep breaths, but for the demonstration purposes, we're only going to do three. So I just want you to all kind of notice where you are in your body right now. If you can close your eyes, great. If you're driving or if you're walking, keep them open, but just kind of go into your body and see, you know, on the scale of one to 10, where is your level of tension? Is it one, is it 10? Is it somewhere in between? And now I want you to take three super deep breaths. So we will inhale through the nose and you want to fill to the top of your lungs and then you exhale and you just let it all go. And then you take another deep inhale in, all the way up and let it all go. And you inhale one more time, super deep as far as you can. Expand your lungs as much as you can and then just let it go out. And if you have the time, continue with the breath work If you don't, I want you to notice physiologically. Do you feel a sense of expansion? Do you feel a little lighter? Do you feel a little easier? What's your physical state right now? And so you've taken yourself out of whatever tension you were experiencing to now you've physically shown yourself that you can feel lighter, you can feel better, you can feel more relaxed in a matter of seconds. Right? And it's as easy as breathing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and again, many people subscribe to the power of the breath, right? And how much it can be transformative. And I think as you just demonstrated there, you know, very quickly, there can be a transformation from there. Again, it goes back to, from what we've been describing is taking care of yourself, putting yourself in a good state and then breaking through and putting your own plan into place. So I guess that third, sort of third part. Thank you for that by the way because I know you don't do sort of the group and you do tailor things. So that's uh, even helpful for that exercise. So game planning though, you know, for helping someone put together a game plan. Further again, it has to be unique to that person, but you know, what is a game plan for success? Or how do you game plan for success as well?
2: Yes. So the biggest part is giving yourself permission Giving yourself permission to live and work and exist in the most aligned and highest state to you. Because we tend to subscribe to the pressures of other people's expectations. I am a father, so I have to do X. I have to be the provider. I am a head of a family, so I have to be responsible in this way and that way. I am fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Whatever you title yourself as, and here is what I have to do to appease my parents, to uphold the expectations, to not let people down. Right. And while you're chasing to fulfill other people's expectations of you, you tend to sacrifice your own life. You tend to sacrifice what you want, what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled. And that over time actually deteriorates your performance and it eats at you. And you kind of are stuck in this spiraling down cycle where the more you try to appease others, the more you lose, the more you feel out of control, the more you feel frustrated and unfulfilled.
1: So from there, again, for being aware and breaking that pattern, right, is what it is, and building, I guess, as opposed to spiraling downward, you wanna be spiraling upwards, don't you?
2: Correct. And that starts with, again, giving yourself permission to have, be, or do whatever it is that you want. And instead of saying, well, this is why I can't have or be or do that. Think about how can I, what would need to shift? What would need to change in order for me to be able to do that? So one of the biggest challenges I find, especially with CEOs who have a family, is I want to spend more time with my family, but my business demands a lot of my attention. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple solution of shifting your belief as to who controls your schedule. Do you control your schedule or does the business control your schedule? If you take on the responsibility and say, I own my schedule, I own every hour within my 24 hour day and I can create space and time for things that matter to me, that's the first step. The second step is than looking at, okay, where within my business am I creating work that I should have been delegating all along, right? I think I've read somewhere that CEOs should delegate 70% of their work every single year. So whatever you've delegated last year into this year, what are 70% of this year's work that you can delegate the following year? And most of the time, especially if it's a founding CEO, they have a very hard time of letting go of certain responsibilities. And you almost have to think of yourself not as an operator, but as a chairman, right? Where you lead the strategy, you lead the vision, but you're no longer involved in all the areas of operation. You're still keeping tabs. You're still overseeing the big picture, but you're no longer the bottleneck, right? And that's the very challenge that prevents a lot of the CEOs from spending more time with their families is their inability to let go of things on the business side. Although I've also seen them use that work as a coping mechanism and a means of avoiding spending time with the family, Mm -hmm. right? If your personal relationships are not working out, if your family dynamics are very disrupted because you have been neglecting them and you're not willing to invest time and energy into fixing what has been broken, then yeah, a lot of times they do tend to work a lot more so that they can avoid the family, but that can backfire at you as well because then you're also neglecting your health.
1: So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those, those are the toxins, you. right? As we described this here for the toxins. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. It, I mean, they're, they're all related. And part of it's sorting through that and making best decisions, again, for that person. So what does success look like? You know, end of life, that sort of, uh, you know, and, and as you've worked with people, you've, you've seen, I'm sure, patterns emerge. What are, you know, so... If you were to, you know, I don't know, 40 or 50 years mm-hmm. from now, look back and say, I should have said this, or I should have told you to do this, what would you say?
2: Say to somebody or say to myself? Yes. <laughs> Both, right? What I would say to myself is appreciate each moment, whether it's a good day or a bad day. Appreciate the moment, appreciate the growth, because when we're experiencing the adversity, that's when we grow. That's when we expand. That's where the opportunities come. And when we experience that state of bliss, right, uh, it's typically being at peace with oneself. It's being in loving and nurturing relationships. It's being loving to other people and coming from a place of where I don't want anything from anyone and allowing yourself to stay in that place. And funny enough, when you don't need anything from anyone, that's when all the opportunities come your way. That's mm-hmm. when all the money comes your way. That's when everything, all that struggle kind of drops away and you find yourself in that elusive state of flow. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah it's amazing how that works and it seems to it seems to always be that way isn't it and same thing when you know you describe you even finding that partner right if you've been looking for that partner that seems to emerge if you've been looking for that business opportunity uh, you know the business opportunity or, uh, you know, knocks on your door so it's amazing how if you put yourself there i always call myself the luckiest person and a lot of people say well it's i'm the luckiest person because i put myself in a position to be lucky and uh, i think there's something to that right where you have to be in a place Where I think your words, you know, permission, and then be in a place where you can accept and take it to the next level it, take it forward from there. Very important to give yourself a state of readiness for that, obviously. And you've clearly done that and help people get there yourself. If someone's, you know, intrigued by what you're saying, I'm sure that there are many people will be, what's the best way to get in touch with you or to explore some of these concepts further with you? Sure.
2: They can reach me on my email and that's vera at globalelementsconsulting.com. I post a lot of uh, videos and articles on LinkedIn. So Vera Anderson, and I believe if you tag on Legacy Coach, that will help you find me. And I have some information on my website as well, and that's globalelementsconsulting.com.
1: Yeah, and you've got some great stuff there, Vera, as well. So thanks for that. And uh, we'll have that in the show notes so people can go through to see some of the resources that are available. It's it's a lot of work, I think, is... What you've learned in your own personal life, as as you made that shift from private equity Mm -hmm. and saw, you know, the impact that it was having, and as you work with, in particular, CEOs or leaders of organizations, right, to helping them gain the same sort of insight, if uh, there was something, again, I know there's been a wealth of information that we talked through here today, but if there was something that people could implement in their day, the incremental step we've talked about in their daily lives, taking that step today, what would it be? You know, these incremental steps, again. I'm asking for a sort of general answer, Sure. but you know, something that incrementally we can be doing on a, on a daily basis, as we were describing it here to begin our spiral upwards or continue our spiral upwards.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll actually give you an exercise and that's something that can help you keep tabs of where you are and also look at what are some of the things that you're focusing on that become very evident. So regardless of how you're feeling about your personal life, your health, your career, I want you to write down two to three sentences. What's working, what's not working, and maybe even rate it on a scale of one to 10. How do you feel you are? Are you at your full potential? Are you excelling? Is it beyond your expectations? That's your 10. Are you sort of in a slump and you're feeling stuck and you're feeling very low energy in that area? And that would be your one or two. And then I want you to do two things. Either put that away for a couple of days and then bring that piece of paper out or or that Word document out and look at it from an objective standpoint, as though it came from somebody else that you're mentoring, And look at it, and what you might notice is that there's only one area in your life that is off or that is not meeting your expectations, but you're allowing it to consume your entire life. And so everything feels like, oh, my personal life is not good, my health is not good, all because I haven't achieved this business target. Well, that might not be true, right? Or it could be the opposite. It could be one pattern is replaying in all the areas of your life and sort of bringing all of your numbers down. So that's one piece. The other thing, if you want an objective and external perspective, you can share that with a mentor or with somebody that you trust within your circle, or you can even email it to me and I'll, I'll give you through my external perspective on what I'm seeing. And from there, you can then start making some decisions and start taking some actions that will move you forward, that will help you to shift that state, that will help you to shift. But first, you have to be aware of what's working, what's not working, where you are in order to be able to move forward.
1: That's great stuff. Well, the way we began this conversation, right? Focusing on well, as you say, what's working, what's not working and being realistic about removing the things that aren't working, these toxins, as we've described them, and starting to implement some of the strategies that have led to that success, right? Or can lead to success and continued growth. Vera, thanks so much for joining us here today. A uh, wealth of information. Every time I connect with you, I enjoy it. I look forward to the next time because we'll check in again and maybe continue the, the conversation. I know that there's always a benefit for doing so. So thanks for joining us here today and we'll see you the next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the millionaire's lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmacavoy.com. That's j p m c a v o y.com.